time now for Buck Banter with your host, Alpine ISD Superintendent, Dr. Michelle Reinhardt. Good morning, Alpine, and good morning, Martin. How are you today? I am doing wonderful, Michelle, and hopefully you're enjoying what little summer you've got to experience so far. Yes. Uh, my family and I just came back from a week's vacation visiting my family in Ontario, Canada, and it was delightful and restful, and now we're back, ready to hit the ground running and get a lot done this summer. Well, I hope you enjoyed your time off because I know you'll be busy working. Yes. Yes, it was a wonderful, wonderful break. So welcome back, everyone, to this uh, week's Bucks Banner. Uh, Martin, I was looking back at our notes. We started this show uh, 11 months ago. So this is our 12th month of doing the show. Next Happy. month, we'll be celebrating Happy. one year, which I'm excited about. And some of what we're talking about today loops back to some of those very first shows we did last July. Um, and I'm going to start by saying, you know, Martin, we spent almost a year together on the radio. You probably know by now that I'm pretty hopeful by nature. I'm, a, I'm an optimist, you right? You are. You are, <laughs> Even in sure. the midst of some pretty tough times. But right now, Martin, Martin, I am I am not feeling the hope. Yeah, I am today I'm the pretty love isn't there, I'm afraid. <laughs> it is not. And so we're gonna talk through some of that today about, you know, what's kind of caused um, frankly, I'm rather speechless, and uh, I don't have a strong enough word beyond disappointed for um, you do, but you just can't say it on right? the air. We don't want to There is that. There is that FCC. too. That's yes. right. So, so today we're going to talk about why that is. Like, how did we get here? What's kind of been going on? And we're going to start with legislative updates, which is where a lot of this um, disappointment really is stemming from. So, let me take us back to where we started. We started talking about this legislative session, Martin, back in November, and at that time we knew that there was going to be a 32 billion dollar state surplus. This is an unprecedented surplus at the state level. This is in addition to the $27 billion rainy day fund that the state has as well. And that rainy day fund for the first time ever is now full. It has a $27 billion cap. So like we have money for rainy days and we have another $32 billion statewide to pour into uh, investing in the state of Texas. And at that time, we talked about what are Alpine ISD's priorities or what's public ed's priorities going into this session. And we had some pretty clear priorities. Specifically, we've been advocating for a substantial increase in school funding that also um, provides for annual adjustments to inflation. We've talked about so many of these issues over the past few months, Martin. We've talked about um, CAD and Comptroller under, uh, sorry, CAD CAD and Comptroller disputes that cause underfunding of about $500,000 a year here in Alpine. We've talked about the formula transition grant and how that causes our school district to lose dollars to $500,000 a year. We've talked about inequities in the funding formula and how there are districts that serve a third of the number of students that Alpine serves but get three, like get a, you know, 50% more money. That's just wild. Um, we've talked about the need to increase safety and security underfunding, which is another area we lose $300,000 oh, a year. That's over a million dollars a year. Right. And we talked through all of those different things. And we haven't just talked locally. I mean, it's really important for our community to understand these issues. But we've also taken those stories to the state level, right, to our legislators, uh, to our state leaders, to help them understand this is what's happening in rural schools. And this is what that kind of cumulative underfunding over time does to our area. We've also advocated really hard to increase teacher salaries, particularly in rural areas. We were just talking in our little pre-show, if you will, Martin, about how uh, even from here to Midland, Odessa, complete different salary structure. Um, our starting teachers make $34,000. Midland just announced that first-year teachers there will make $60,000 next year, and that's not even a number on our pay scale right now. And they have better benefits. 
there's a lot we could talk about there. <laughs> there's a lot. And so that, those were all of our priorities going into this legislative session. And this wasn't a legislative session where we all had to tighten our belts, right? This is one where we had a surplus that in many ways has been born on the back of um, public And a schools. rainy day fund that needs to be spent before collecting more. Right, right. So locally, where were we at, though? Like what caused, you know, what else have we been kind of facing locally? Inflation, not just locally, but statewide, has been unprecedented. Um, here in Alpine over the last four years, I want to tell you some different um, inflation numbers that we've been dealing with. First, though, I'll say, like, why are we looking at the last four years? Four years ago in 2019 was the last time there was any increase in state funding. So over the last few four years, we have had um, level funding, if you will, no increases. But over those four years, our fuel costs have increased by 36 percent. This will not su surprise listeners because your fuel costs on your home budget have increased similarly, right? Insurance policies have increased 12%. And this is um, insurance policies like on our buildings or transportation, et cetera. Health insurance costs have increased 35%. And food service costs have increased 14%. So a district, just like a household, is impacted by inflation. How do you how do you absorb those inflationary expenses when there's no additional funding, right? Because you have to pay those. Yeah. You have to pay those. So how do you do that? What ends up happening, and this is kind of the historic story of how we've gotten to where we're at financially, when you have to pay more for those other fixed expenses, then you can't increase the salaries. it has got to come from somewhere. Right. It has to come yep. from somewhere. So you can't increase salaries. You also have to cut positions, right? Because you don't have as much money to pay for salaries and you have to defer maintenance. And I think we talked about that a lot on our last show about some of the deferred maintenance that is stacked up in the district after years and years and years of underfunding. So that's where we started, right? Legislative session. We started talking about this in November. We've been hopeful all the way through. Uh, legislative session wrapped up uh, just under two weeks ago, right after our last show. Even on that show, Martin, I was hopeful. I was like, we got four days left. They can pull out They'll a miracle. Do the right thing. They'll do the right thing. They'll, you know, be leaders like we um, pay them and elect them to be. Um, so not at all. So here's where we're at now as the regular session wrapped up. There is no new significant funding for public education. None. And all of the school funding bills fell through. And so we talked two weeks ago about House Bill 100, which was the last standing kind of school funding bill, if you will. And um, it was tanked by the Senate at the last minute when they included vouchers in the bill. And we've been talking about vouchers as well. We knew this was a big political push um, from the governor and lieutenant governor um, instead of public education funding. And really what we saw was the Senate, was retaliating against the House for not moving separate voucher legislation forward. And so instead, they added this in to the public education funding bill from the House because they knew it wouldn't move, it wouldn't get the House's support. And so the idea being, hey, if, if we're you, not going to get our money, you're not going to get yours. Correct. If we're not going to get money to uh, for our pet project of using public funds for private education with no transparency, then we are not going to fund public education. And that's, in essence, what, what happened. So the governor, go, you know, throughout the last um, six months when he's been doing um, different events, all at private schools, he's not visited any public schools over the last six months, but at each of those events when he's been pushing vouchers, pushing vouchers, he said, you know, we will provide vouchers, or he, he'll say school choice, but we will provide vouchers and we will fully fund public education. 
And we see now that that's, that's not true. That was never the plan. Because had that been the plan, they would have been separate bills, right? Have a public education bill, fund public ed, have a voucher bill, push that through if the support's there, do them separately. But instead, what happened is the governor and um, our state leaders have held school district funding hostage in order to force vouchers to pass instead of pursuing these priorities as two separate issues. And so that's how we end up a $32 billion surplus legislative session with no new investment in public ed. And two things I'll say here. Um, one is this means there will be no significant, there will be no teacher pay raise from the state. And teachers are the only state employees who are not getting a pay raise in this legislative session. Every other state employee got a pay raise 5% or more because of the inflation that everyone's experiencing, except that teachers. They constantly mentioned. Right, right, except teachers. And I believe that our budgets reflect our priorities. And so here you're seeing the state's intentional divestment or disinvestment, if you will, in public education. And that's really concerning and is how I'm at this kind of speechless and beyond disappointed point. Well, rightfully so. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, let's, let's dig into this a little bit further because we're, we're not over. Even though, like, my hope is waning, Martin, we've got special sessions, maybe there's a chance. You know, what can we do? First, I want to back up to, like, does school funding actually need to increase? Like, are we just making a lot of noise, but we don't actually need the money? Why does school funding actually need to increase? And so we've already talked about inflationary costs above and about the 12 to 36% that the school district's seeing, even here locally, in from insurance to fuel, ex- to fuel expenses going up. But also, again, let's go back to some of the stats we've talked about before. Texas as a state is in the bottom 10% in the nation in per-pupil spending. And that's shameful because our economy is so well. So strong. It's in the top 10% of the nation. Correct, correct. And so this is not that, hey, you know what? We're one of the best-funded school districts, I mean, school systems in the the nation, and so maybe we don't need more. We're one of the lowest-funded in the nation as a state. Looking then within the state, so state level, we're in the bottom 10% of the nation. We know that Big Bend school districts are in the bottom 5%, bottom 2% for Alpine in funding across Texas. So think about that nationally, right? Like that number then does not look good when you work that out in terms of what um, local districts here are provided in order to provide an education to all kids versus most, the majority of communities across the state and um, across the nation. And then third, you know, or another reason why I think it's really important that we increase school funding is that we have to reprofessionalize the teaching profession. You cannot underfund public education, cut teacher salaries, and, and basically we're cutting them by not providing increases over time, yeah, right? They're losing, they're, they're li- living off of less every year. Right. You're losing buying power when you don't, when you can't increase salaries. And so we can't continue to do that and have teaching be a true profession. It is time for us to reprofessionalize teaching. And if the state won't do that at the state level, we'll do it locally the best we can. So all of this to say, You know, it's really important that we know what's going on and how these issues are impacting rural schools specifically. We were talking about that before the show, Martin. And so I wanted to share with our our listeners, if you haven't seen these two articles yet, take a minute, jot these down, find them on your phone, um, look them up. Um, because they're both well worth a read. Just earlier this week, Texas Monthly, the um, state magazine, 
released an article where they were highlighting the underfunding in rural school districts, particularly in Fort Davis, just north of us. And um, they interviewed us in Alpine as well, included some of our um, statistics there. The article is called Rural School Districts Are Facing Financial Ruin. Some state officials prefer it that way. And y'all, I can't recommend this, this read enough. It's going to take you about 20 or 30 minutes to read through. So make a cup of tea or coffee and sit down and enjoy. But it's really enlightening to show how we, how we got where we're at and then what lies ahead for districts like Fort Davis and Alpine without state intervention. You know, something to be said, we just don't have large numbers of voters here. Right, and absolutely. That's what it comes down to, I think. And one of the things I'm so delighted about this article is that we have been telling this story. Martin, you and I have been talking about this for months, but that's a, that's been a local conversation, if you will. I've had this conversation with many legislators at the state level, but we as an area don't have that social capital or political clout to really uh, change things in Austin. But this is a is an article that's getting statewide attention for our area about what underfunding uh, school district underfunding is doing to our rural communities. Well, hopefully you shine some light on it. Yes. So check that one out. Texas Monthly, that article was uh, number two in their top trending just yesterday, which is great news that a lot of people are reading about what's going on out here. Also, um, on Wednesday of this week, the Big Ben Sentinel released an article um, entitled Dereliction of Duties, Tri-County Schools React to Legislative Failure to Fund Public Education. That's in their paper this week, and it's also free um, online to read. So I'd encourage our listeners, check both of those out to get up to speed on what's going on um, in public education funding and what this will mean for our communities. Well, I certainly appreciate the Big Ben Sentinel covering this story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, as we, so one of the other things that comes up in the Texas Monthly article that I wanted us to talk about briefly is um, kind of this bait and switch that's going on right now with our school funding. So we're all getting our, our um, property value statements, if you will, and we look at those and we think, how can it be that our property taxes continue to rise, our property values rise, and then, you know, obviously then our taxes will rise based on that. How can they continue to rise so quickly and yet our schools are getting less funding because our homeowners, we're paying more to our schools. So what do you mean there's, that our schools aren't receiving more funding? We're writing bigger and bigger checks. How is that happening? And so what's happening here is the state is putting more and more of that burden on local homeowners as they pay less and less to the school districts. And so it's an intentional divestment in public education at the state level, but that creates a lot of local hardship because how do we afford those rising taxes and yet we pay more and our schools actually aren't getting more in order to be able to do the things they need to and do our income isn't rising right exactly right that goes back to the whole like we're not able to pay teachers more and yet then their property taxes are going up as homeowners as well how does that cycle work out and so what i want us to kind of my big takeaway here is all of the solutions we've talked about in this segment so far require state action and leadership there is not a local fix here, right? There's not a, oh, well, if we just increase taxes, nope, can't do it, and it wouldn't fix the issue. The no. state determines how much we get to keep anyways. We are doing lots of local things. We're applying to grants. We're streamlining expenses internally. But real change on our school district underfunding requires state action. And that's why this legislative session has been so frustrating, because we can't fix this locally. And we've been working with the state to fix it at the level, um, at their level where the changes have to happen. And it just isn't moving. 
So looking ahead, this is where my little bit of hope glimmers through. My optimism is not completely dead, Martin. It's just severely waned. But uh, we do have special sessions uh, on the horizon. Right now, we're in the midst of a property tax relief special session that really isn't moving, um, needs to move. It's a huge priority um, for the governor is tied to this fact of the state has um, divested public education funding and pushed it to local property owners. And now they need to buy some of that back, right, to provide us some relief. That None of that actually increases school funding. It doesn't change our total amount of funding at all. It just changes who's paying the bill. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how that works out. Uh, we anticipate a future special session about vouchers because the governor was not able to push that through. Maybe included in that will be some school finance, but it's really unclear. And unfortunately, it might be too late. All school districts are working on their budgets right now. Alpine ISD, we have to pass our budget in the next 11 days, <laughs> and there's no new money to do that. So... So, ending in optimism, we are still working to lead for public education locally while our state leaders are not. So here are the things we're doing, continuous media appearances here on the show, um, newspaper articles, et cetera, about this important issue. If they'll listen, you'll speak. Exactly right. And I encourage everyone to um, exercise their voice as well. Join the conversation. Absolutely. Reach out to our legislators, sure, but also to our state leadership, to the governor's office, the lieutenant governor's office, and tell them how important public education is to you. Um, also, uh, just this past week, I was invited to serve on a legislative advisory committee that's meeting to address some of the most persistent um, school underfunding issues like CAD comptroller issues. So I'm hopeful that the work we do there can come up in a future special session, just not not on the radar right now. So that's where we're at. We're still pushing through. But again, it has just been a mind boggling legislative session this year. Well, keep up the, fight, the good fight. Thank you. So we're going to pivot from there to talk about budgets. As I said, we have to pass our budget in, uh, in the next the next 10 days and key teacher pay is, has been a key legislative priority of ours and as I said it didn't happen at the state level but it's something we have to make happen locally even though we're an underfunded district so let me give you a few numbers uh, we talked earlier about how first year pay teacher pay in Alpine is 34000 here well it's $60,000 in Midland and Alpine ISD unfortunately is the second lowest paying district in all of region 18 which is a huge swath of West Texas to kind of quantify that we pay about $9,000 less than the regional average. So not than the top. Top is like that 60000 in Midland, but just than the average, we're about 9000 underneath that. So why is that? Well, everything we've discussed above has led to that um, over time. But we know that underpaying teachers is not a sustainable practice. Especially if we want to get qualified teachers. Absolutely. Teachers. Absolutely. We know that the number one predictor of student success is the quality of the classroom teacher. And so we have to pay for the quality that we want. We also know there's a statewide teacher shortage, which is even more acute in rural and remote communities like ours. So we are committed to paying our teachers more in order to reprofessionalize the profession locally, even when the state won't do that. So for next school year, we are proposing a $3,000 teacher pay raise. And this, think about those numbers I shared earlier, this $3,000 increase won't get us to average, right? We'll, we'll still be about 6,000 under average, but it's a good first step. And it's part of a three-year plan to increase teacher salaries while we continue to work the legislative angles to increase our overall funding. But 
how do you do that, Martin? How do you fund a significant pay raise with no new money when you're already an underfunded district? There's going to be some cuts somewhere, there, some consolidation. That's right. Your... That's right. And so one of the things that we're, we're working on is we've been consolidating positions across the district based on attrition. And so this does mean we'll have less personnel, we'll have slightly less offerings, but it's the only way right now outside of state intervention and funding that we can increase salaries. Well, it's a shame. It is. So we have currently a projected deficit for next year. We do not like to run deficit budgets, but we're in an unsustainable position with the current funding and inflationary costs. Um, our deficit could be up to $500,000 for next year, which is not, not the number we want to see. And then for 2024-25, so one year from now, our projected deficit would be north of $1 million. Again, that's not sustainable. It's unacceptable and unsustainable. Um, and why that big jump? We've talked about some of these issues before. We'll talk about them next next uh, in two weeks' time. Um, there's a number of other funding mechanisms that drop off a year from now. And that's why we've been so heavily involved in the legislative session, because we knew this fiscal cliff was coming otherwise. So these uh, deficits, again, we're working to, to uh, lower them however we can. What's interesting, too, is these deficits already include the role consolidation and significant grant funding we've done as well. So just imagine if we weren't doing all those proactive measures, what our underfunding we'd would have be been. Really, we'd be really in the red. We all. Okay, we are not doing an entire show about downer <laughs> issues, Martin. Like, we're just not. No, so <laughs> we are not, because even though, again, state level, it's been a very anti-public education last six months. Here locally, our schools are the center of our communities, and there's so many great things that continue to happen every day in Alpine ISD. So a couple of these I wanted to shout out before we wrap up. Um, Martin, I know y'all have plugged this as well. We have an amazing summer lunch program at Alpine Elementary School. It serves the entire community. You can come grab lunch every day, Monday through Thursday. Um, children, any children in the community age 0 through 18, whether you're enrolled in Alpine ISD or not, lunch is completely free. And so you can come um, enjoy that. Um, adults, if you're bringing your kids, lunch for you will be $4.50. So come enjoy. That lunch is offered Monday through Thursday from 11.30 a.m. till 12.30 p.m. And that's at Alpine Elementary. So come enjoy. Also, summer school continues this week. We have lots of fun and great learning happening on each of our campuses. I'll give you all an update on the great things happening there in our next week's show. Summer workouts have been going on. They started this past week. So this is for incoming 7th through 12th graders every morning from 8 till 10 a.m., Monday through Thursday. They are up at Alpine High School hitting the weights, doing some conditioning, and those sessions will continue for another two weeks. And there's a little break and then another three weeks. So a great way to keep in shape during the summer, knock your work get out first thing in the morning and then enjoy your day. Um, also, Martin, I don't know if you heard about this one. We had a really fun youth football camp the last two days at Buck Stadium for um, young boys and girls across Alpine. I think it was kind of uh, first grade, incoming first graders up through incoming sixth graders. We had some other uh, littler littles who just wanted to be there and who came and joined as well. This was organized and led by our Alpine High School football coaches. First time we've done this in a while. We had 80 plus wow. little Bucks attend. They learned new skills, fell more in love with football. Football had a blast. The highlight was they got to use our um, little watering systems, which were a ton of fun, um, and they just had a blast with that. So it was an awesome opportunity for the kids of our community, and so thankful to our coaches for um, providing that. So. As we wrap up today, you know, I started the show by just talking about things that had kind of been undone for me, you know, in terms of hopefulness, optimism. But what hasn't been undone is I still have an unwavering belief that rural schools 
are the center of our community. And they're also, our schools are also ours to support, to protect, and to advocate for. So thank y'all for listening in, for learning more about these complex issues and how they will affect our local community, but also enjoying and celebrating the amazing things happening in Alpine ISD every day. Well, Michelle, you have a wealth of information once again today, and I appreciate all the hard work that you're putting in for, you know, I I don't think you really took much of a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all do it on behalf of our community. So, again, appreciate everyone listening in, and uh, more to come in two weeks' time. And in the meantime, go Bucks. We're looking forward to it. You have been... You have been listening to Buck Banter. Buck Banter is brought to you every other Friday at this time by the Alpine ISD.